At one time, the government would not permit you to watch Elvis Presley shake his hips on TV. It was too racy. Have you been to a grammar school lately? Because that's where the fight to save or destroy the culture really is. Literally, on the home front, separating parents from their children and submitting kids to the worst kinds of pressures and manipulations. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. And our parents thought Elvis Presley was bad. (laughs) Nothing Elvis did compares to what our kids are exposed to at schools today. It's horrible. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, our Thursday edition. We have a big, 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 big show for you. And going into the negative stuff that we're going to be talking about, how about a Christian version of a song that is done by one of my favorite artists of all time, Michael McDonald. Yeah, listen to the words. Yamo be there.
somebody out there listening to that song they just said based upon how I introduced it. Oh, we're not, you're not going to do that Jesus stuff talking to us, Dan. Well, you know what? I'm 70 years old. I've been through it. I've lived through most of what you can even imagine can happen to people in their first 70 years. And I am so glad I'm a Christian because I've always been able, when things get bad, and it doesn't matter, listen to what I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter what you know or don't know, there are going to be times in your life when you can't handle something you're facing. You may not understand it, or even you may understand it, but you don't know how to get through it. It's always good to be confident that you can just bow your head quietly wherever you are. You don't even have to say anything out loud and just talk to God, just like I'm talking to you now, and say, hey, God, this thing is here. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to handle it. Can you give me some guidance and help me figure it out? And guess what? That's exactly what will happen. Ask and you will receive. Now, that doesn't mean you can ask God to give you uh, the Powerball numbers and that you're going to win the Powerball. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about life circumstances, things that are unexplainable. They may be bad things. You don't know what to do. You don't have any answers. And then it boils down to this. What if that really does work and you don't even try it out? I'll give you a thought. Here's a here's an idea. Next time you run into a, a freight train coming down right at you and you have no way to get through it or get around it or avoid it, whatever it is, and I'm using the freight train as just an example, just try it. Say, hey, God, I'm going to test this thing. Dan told us at TNN Live that if we ask, you will give to us what we need. I don't have an answer for this, God. I need your help. Would you help me get through this? Just give it a whirl. What could it cost? A short prayer? It's always nice to have somebody involved with you in the conundrums in your life that you face. And we've all been down those roads, every one of us. If you haven't yet, get ready. You're about to go through it. (laughs) And it's good to have somebody there with you going through whatever you're going through. Well, good morning anyway. I'm so glad you picked this spot at this time to come join us. This is a short week. When you have a Monday holiday like Labor Day, it just makes the rest of the week go by really, really fast. To me, it seems like it's Wednesday, and we're already at Thursday. So, yeah, I'm looking toward the weekend. I'm also looking forward to the cranking back up in full steam. College football, high school football, NFL football. I love football. Our six grandchildren, two of them have already graduated. Three of them are graduating this year. We have three seniors, all three, and the youngest of our grandchildren are at Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport. I talked to 
a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago. Amazon came in last year during the season. They filmed a documentary, a series called God Family Football, and it's exclusively about Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Louisiana. And it's a series. There are six episodes, and they went live, all of them. Amazon dropped them all at one time last Friday. God Family Football. You need to check it out. And if you don't have Amazon Prime, it is, uh, hang on just a second. Amazon has a free streaming app where everything they put on it is free. Let me give you what that app is. You can get it if you have Amazon Prime. All you have to do in the search bar is put in there, God Family Football. But that new Amazon app is called Free V. That's F-R-E-V-E-E. You can download that and then load it up, go to the search bar, and type in there, God Family Football. Moms, dads, it will be extraordinarily good for your children to get them to watch that because it deals with real-life things that happen in the lives of junior high schoolers and high schoolers. Very important things. How to deal with things and get through those things. So check it out. God Family Football. And the Eagles, the Evangel Eagles, have a game tonight at home against Mansfield. And I will be there. In fact, I'm the PA guy. One of the last things from my broadcasting life that I really enjoy doing, being there with these kids. It's just a great time. I'm glad. I'm glad football's back. Now, I told you before we fired off the Michael McDonald, Yalmo Be There song, I told you we had some negative things to talk about. If you're like me, this same old stuff that keeps coming up day after day after day, you know what I'm talking about. Donald Trump getting indicted, the left going off on Donald Trump. He is an illegitimate individual. He doesn't even deserve to breathe the same air as the rest of us. He wasn't the legitimate president of the United States, and everybody knows that. All those things that we hear again and again, it just gets tiring. It's like it's on a ever-never-ending cycle, a loop. They just keep changing the narrative a little bit, but the bottom line is all the same thing. Leftist Democrats, they don't like the liberties and freedom that are guaranteed from the United States Constitution. They want to have more control over every aspect of our lives. So when I was growing up, my parents taught me, and then when I got old enough and got in business and worked for the man and then started my own company, what I found out real quickly was the old reap and sow principle really works. In every area of our lives, you got a relationship problem? Look at that relationship objectively. Look at all the parts of it that you have. Why are you having problems with whoever it is? And then do something about the problems that are being caused by whatever. If it's a problem with an individual, that means it's got to only have one or two causes. One would be you, two would be the other person. 
and then objectively figure out what to do to get it resolved. That's part of life. But when you want to have control of all of the things about other people, you're going to have perpetual difficulty. And that's what we're seeing right now. Democrats are squealing about Donald Trump. They are petrified, horrified that he's going to get reelected president. And so every time they get an open microphone on a program or from the floor of the House or the Senate, and they get a chance to talk bad about Donald Trump, that's exactly what they do. And the stupidest thing of it all, every once in a while, I steer, still hear one of these Democrats pontificate about the 2016 election and how Trump stole that election with the assistance of Vladimir Putin and other Russian segments of life, groups, organizations, individuals that have all kind of power. They're the ones that put Donald Trump in office. And they've never accepted that he was lawfully POTUS 45, President of the United States, number 45. A short reminder. Yeah, listen to them do this. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what thing. I'm scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He is an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election, and he was put in office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. There absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. And and in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> and the Russian attempt to hack, to hack the election, and frankly, the FBI's uh, weighing in on the election, I think make the, make, makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed, history will discover. But you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans stuff going on and not come away with an idea like 
whoa, something's not right here. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference, and now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the uh, with, so with Russia. He knows he's an illegitimate president, so of course he's obsessed with me, and I believe that it's a guilty conscience. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last presidential election. And Al Gore won that election. I think he won it anyway. Actually, I think <laughs> I carried Florida. Bush versus Gore. A court took away a presidency. If all the votes were counting in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be back in office. I come from Florida, where you and others participated in what I call the United States coup d'etat. There's no doubt in my mind that Al Gore was elected president. I rise to object to the fraudulent 25 Florida electoral votes. I must object because of the overwhelming evidence of official misconduct. Delivery the chair and an attempt the to chair must remind me. It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The Supreme the, uh, Court, not the is, people of the United the, States, decided this election. Speaking to a Democratic group in Chicago Tuesday, he made it clear he thinks Al Gore was the winner. By the time it was over, our candidate had won the popular vote. And the only way they could win the election was to stop the voting in Florida. Oh, my gosh. I've had enough of that. I can't stand it. But that is Democrats, leadership from the Democrat Party, members of Congress. You heard Hillary Clinton, Al Gore, former President Jimmy Carter. Trump didn't win the election. He is an illegitimate question. Now, let's put this shoe on the other foot for just a second. Have you noticed how deathly silent people on the right, conservatives on the right, are now when conversations come up about the 2020 election? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because most conservatives don't think there was fiddling going on with voting in the process in the 2020 election? Every legitimate, reasoning, thinking American voter knows there were irregularities in the 2020 election. Yeah, they may, or they may have been some in the 2016 election, but they didn't come from Russia, and they weren't in support of Donald Trump and against Hillary Clinton. In 2020, we will probably never know the extent of the incorrect vote tabulations in at least five of those big states that determine the outcome of every national election. We'll never know. You know why? Conservatives have been shut up with threats like American citizens have never seen before. The January 6th stuff, that charade that was called a uh, investigation, the January 6th committee put together by former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, it was a sham. There was no committee hearing. They weren't calling in witnesses, collecting evidence, putting witness testimony in evidence, letting cross-examination happen. None of that happened. It was a contrived 
concentration to totally diminish anybody and everybody who has the opinion the 2020 election outcome is not fair, was not fair, that there was some kind, to some major degree, wrongdoing and vote counting tabulation. I don't know what all it is. But they started putting people in jail. They started suing people. All of it has been and is intimidation. Look what we will do to you. And don't say we won't do it. And don't say we can't do it. There are people in jail today that are in jail because they went to Washington, D.C. January 6th of 2021 and saw the transition take place. They saw the evil, and there was a lot of evil that happened at the Capitol that day. No question about it. Those that did the evil acts need to pay the price. That's what law is about, equal justice under the law. But according to Democrats, that only cuts one way. If you're a conservative, and if you even remotely like the orange man, you're evil and you need to be put down. And it scared people, justifiably so. Their methodology was to put conservatism and conservatives in a corner, mark them, as being unworthy of breathing the same air that Democrats breathe. The rule of law? Do we honestly sit here having this conversation today? Do you honestly believe that the Democrat leadership, the Democrat Party, the people that control the White House, the Senate, and most other parts of the government, do you think they give a rip about equal justice under the law. They don't even believe in the law. The law works only if Democrats control it and how it's meted out and who is held accountable based upon the law for their criminal activities. Do you know the Democrat Party has unconstitutionally allowed millions of criminals to come into this nation, they come illegally, according to federal law, that Democrats passed, and they're supposed to, under those laws, that Democrats passed, immediately be returned to the country from where they came, came here illegally. It's very cut and dried. And do you know the Democrats, they don't think they have to abide by those laws. In fact, They don't have to. Well, Dan, it's illegal. It's criminal. We got to hold those people accountable. Well, when the sheriff, the one that is supposed to hold those people accountable, is one of those people, and he absolutely refuses to have people that work for him in law enforcement to hold any of those people accountable for that wrongdoing, that criminality, Nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to go to jail, but we have people in jail. Listen to what I'm about to say. This is a fact. 
There are people in prison today for January 6th actions, and many of them are in prison because of manufactured criminal action that was determined fraudulently to be criminal situation enough to put people in jail. Two days ago, in one of the trials, the big one that came up, I forget the guy's name, former director or head of Oath Keepers, he got 18, 20, 23 years or whatever. He wasn't even in Washington that day. He got sentenced to two decades in prison because of his thoughts, things that he said, and because he said those things and the things that he said went against the leftist narrative of what's okay to say and what's not, and a Washington, D.C. federal judge slams him into prison. The Oath Keepers didn't have any guns in Washington, D.C. The FBI went looking, went to hotel rooms, went to vehicles. There were no guns there. Now, if you're going to go anywhere to instigate or be a part of an insurrection, uh, if I did that, Here's an example. What would be the first thing I'd pack in my car? Weapons. I mean, I'm going to commit insurrection. That means overthrow the government. That's what I want to do. There were no weapons. There were at least 25 to 35 Oath Keepers in jail today. Didn't have any guns. But because of things they said, and a few of them actually did breach the Capitol, and they went inside, but there are thousands of others that did those same things. You know what they're doing today? They're not being prosecuted, but they're scared to death that they will be. Big Brother is controlling this entire part of our lives. And don't think you're immune. Now, wait a minute. I didn't go to D.C. You don't have to be somebody that went there. You can post something on social media. You can say something. You can text to somebody. You can hack off your next-door neighbor, and they can report you and just simply say, hey, we know he's one of those MAGA supporters, and we know he's got a bunch of guns, and he's threatened me. And law enforcement today, they can come take your guns and also put you in jail. Take you before a judge, put you in jail while you're awaiting trial. Well, we can't give him bail and let him get out because he's threatened his next-door neighbor. That is really happening. None of us are exempt. Now, maybe I should have played Yamo Be There <laughs> instead of at the top of the show. I should play it right now. Listen, my little narrative that surrounded Yamo Be There, the song I said about praying, trusting God. You need that. You can access that. The worst thing you can do is live a life in fear. You know why? Because other people see it in you. They recognize it. 
and they weaponize it against you and use you. You need to find facts about everything in your life, everything that's important to you. Find the facts about each thing and then rely on the facts. Trust it. And don't be afraid of anything. I grew up in a subdivision in Lafayette, Louisiana that was a small subdivision and it was full of kids. I have one older brother, three years older than me. And when we moved there into that subdivision, I was seven, he was 10. And we all congregated. It was a closed-in group of about 30 of us. Now, my brother and his gang, they were three years older than us, and my friends wasn't a gang, and his wasn't technically a gang either. But we were the brats. We were three years younger than them. So they didn't like us, and we didn't like them. And I'm speaking figuratively. But we all got to got together. We had similarities. We got along with each other pretty much, but when there were differences, there were differences. But you know what our parents taught us? You live in the same place. You're going to see the same people every day. Why don't you just come to a truce? And even if the commonality... And they dumbed it down. They didn't use the word commonality. But even the things that y'all have that are similar, find a way to work through them. Put the bad stuff off to the side. Everybody's going to disagree with everybody sooner or later in a group. It's just human nature. But if you go into every interaction with another human being and you're either afraid of what they may say or do, or you are a bully, and you want to go in and control what's said and what's done and who gets to do what and who can't. Find a way to push through any and every difficulty you face. That should be job number one for you, for all of us. Find a way. And if you try hard enough, you'll find it. And by the way, pray. You'll get some answers when you pray. This latest Hunter Biden thing, you know what I'm talking about. It was all over the news late yesterday. (laughs) Hunter's about to be indicted. He's going to be indicted. That Delaware federal prosecutor Weiss, David Weiss, He announced that he's going to indict Hunter Biden on those gun charges by the end of the month. The reason he can't do it now is he's got to go before a grand jury and make it legitimate. It looks like it's about to happen. Have you wondered why? Why is it just now coming up? What else is going on out there? And I want you to listen to this. Matt Whitaker, former acting uh, attorney general, he was on Fox and Friends, and he weighed in with some opinions. But I want you to think. Think through this, what you're about to hear. Why the timing for this announcement of pending indictment for Hunter Biden? Why now? So what do you make of, uh, you know, that judge in uh, Delaware was asking for a progress report. Hey, regarding that uh, gun diversion thing, 
Hunter Biden's team thinks that it's still in uh, effect and the, the federal government says no, that no longer is in effect. And yesterday, the government revealed it sounds like he's going to be charged. Uh, they're going to put together a, uh, a grand jury by the end of this month. He could be charged with that, that gun charge, right? Yeah, which would be an extraordinary development in this case, but uh, only such a small part of really what Hunter Biden was facing. Know. You know, Steve, what, what we look at in these cases is what is the most readily chargeable offense? The, you know, what is the most serious readily chargeable offense is usually the prosecutor's standard. And in this case, unfortunately, many of those um, tax charges have already lapsed through That's the statute right. of limitations and so now we're left with just a few uh, you know a few random charges a couple of misdemeanor taxes which weren't talked about in this hearing and then this gun charge which you know the government are already offered a diversion and I can't imagine that if I'm defending Hunter Biden that they're not screaming and jumping up and down and, and asking for that deal again yeah and the other thing is that you know, David Weiss is now a special counsel when he wasn't before, and he was willing to enter into a plea deal with Hunter Biden. Now he has to be special counsel. Some people are, are speculating that it's because that would give him authority to send these charges to another more favorable jurisdiction, and Hunter Biden could possibly walk away with you know, just probation. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, in this case, it's like no other case I've ever seen. And as you know, I was a U.S. attorney, uh, just like Mr. Weiss, for over five years and have a lot of experience in these types of cases. And what I know is that no one uh, that we prosecuted in my district ever got this kind of a sweetheart deal. But, right. you know, we'll see. You know, allegedly, uh, special counsel Weiss complained about not being able to take his cases where they were should have been prosecuted. Now that he has that power, there's no indication that he's actually using those powers to go prove these cases up where he needs to take them. Yeah, right. California, D.C., no jail time for sure. Right. Uh, and we just and we right. want to see how many more millions of dollars he was dealt with uh, than, than James Comer's pursuing on that end. A CNN poll came out this morning and they said, do you think that Joe Biden had any involvement in Hunter's business dealings in Ukraine and China while serving as VP? 61% in the CNN poll said had some involvement, 38% not. You know what? It gives me a good feeling, Matt, that there's a logical, uh, there's a logical American public who understand no one's. We have uh, we put scrutiny to this. There's circumstantial evidence to this. There's a guy, Hunter Biden, saying, "My dad's sitting next to me and is not happy." And we're not going to forget to a Chinese official. We know about the long dinners with the Burisma officials. We know about the interaction from Devin Archer from the, the Dubai. Uh, the Dubai meeting with Burisma, where he got D.C. on the phone. It seems like the American public is beginning to figure it out. Yeah, it does. But 40 percent still believe that Joe Biden wasn't involved, even when Hunter Biden tells, you know, his most closest family members that he gives half of his income to his father. So, you know, there's a obviously a, a, a long way to go here. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence that shows that Joe Biden was benefiting from Hunter's deals. Right. Uh, and I think the House and their work is very important. But, you know, 40 percent is still the base of the Democrat Party that don't believe there's Good anything point. wrong here. So Hunter Biden is facing something sinister, something a little more than he was facing when that miraculous plea deal was put together and taken to that judge a few weeks ago. Why do you think this is happening today? Why did it get rolled out to the media late yesterday? And I mean, they've been all over it. 
left, right, doesn't matter. They've been all over it. Oh, look what's happening. Hunter's finally getting called on the carpet. What have I told you always about the left? When they start screaming about anything and hollering and waving that hand in the air saying, look here, look here, here's what's going on. Look at what we're doing. We're going to hold Hunter Biden accountable. He's not going to get away. We believe in the rule of law, yada, yada, yada. What have I always told you? The only thing important is not what they're waving in their hand that you're looking at. It's not what they're screaming at us when they're screaming at us. You need to know what they've got in the other hand they're holding behind their back because seldom, very seldom, are Democrats genuine, sincere, and opaque. That means that we can see what is really going on. I don't think this is a serious thing about Hunter. First of all, I don't think he'll do any jail time of any kind. How can you say that, Dan? Look at the long term. They're going to push this very quickly. If there's going to be anything happen, Weiss made the announcement. He leaked it to the media. Go figure. Anybody in the DOJ leaking important information to the media? (laughs) Does this sound familiar? They want to get this on the books, whatever this is going to be. Because it doesn't look like Joe Biden is going to repeat as president. So what does that mean? That means Hunter gets indicted, they have a quick trial, or he pleads to some criminal charge. That's supposed to make everybody, every conservative happy. Aha! We got Hunter. But the president then gives his son a full pardon and all of that liability, accountability, all of that regarding Hunter Biden is gone. And Joe, he gets off easy. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) heard that before you deserve to save i know i need you to hear me you deserve to save i deserve to save i mean he has a way of making you feel seen bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com believe in the power of friendship really you guys are good (laughs) movies right when you want them watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room, slash gym. The guest bedroom, slash music studio. The day bed, slash dog bed. The living room, slash yoga shanti, slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement, slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? 
or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified. That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day. Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin, only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. So we have this swirling thing about Joe Biden. Can he make it to the end of this term? Can he run for re-election and win? And if he wins, can he serve four years, another four years? Well, I don't think any of those are legitimate. It may happen, one of them, two of them, three of them may happen. I don't think they should. But we had Mike Johnson on the show week before last, and he'll be on this next week again with us. And I asked him point blank, why haven't you guys impeached started a real impeachment inquiry and from that take impeachment action against Joe Biden. And of course, Congressman Johnson, he put wings on what everybody believes. If we impeach Joe Biden, and even if the Senate signs on and they vote to remove him from office, line of secession puts another president in place. Who would that be? Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, whenever we think about that, most people go, oh my gosh, that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. But I'm here today to tell you, it could be worse than Kamala Harris. Oh my God, what are you talking about? Not everybody in the Democrat Party is willing to give up the presidential throne so easily. One man seems geared to run if Biden falters. And his calculated charm would bode much worse for the country than even a bumbling Kamala Harris administration. Biden allies, both in the administration and the media, they all seem to believe it's Harris's right to become the first black female president at whatever point Biden decides or is pressured to fade quietly into the dark night. This was always the basis of Harris's political trajectory. Biden expressly chose her as his VP because she's a black woman. And she's a Democrat, of course. It's her identity alone that has kept her politically viable all this time, despite her political incompetence and her record low unfavorability ratings as vice president. If allowed to fail upwards yet again into the top spot, there is no reason to expect she would perform any better. She's going to be who she is today. She's going to say the things she says today. She's going to laugh the same way she laughs today. Listen to me. Biden is a senile figurehead, likely unaware of the extent to which officials and bureaucrats run the show behind his back. In lacking dementia, Harris at least meets the bare minimum of presidential fitness, meaning she would likely seek to take a much more active role in her administration. A Harris administration 
would certainly continue the dystopian scheming of her predecessor, but it could easily collapse under the weight of its own ineptitude and, of course, the obvious unlikability. So who else is there? Enter Gavin Newsom, California's pretty boy governor, darling of both far-left activists and the donor class alike, both ends, and getting those groups together, the far-left activists and the donor class, is really tough for Democrats. While Newsom hasn't formally announced his candidacy, some in the media believe that he will run. The signs are there. He's made many eye-catching national moves recently, proclaiming how California has outperformed the nation economically. I don't know where he gets that idea, and I don't know who gives it any credibility. They're so upside down financially, they'll never bail themselves out. Newsom proposed a constitutional amendment to restrict gun rights, launched a new PAC, and he's been picking fights with Republicans in the media and across red states. Biden allies are apparently so concerned that he will announce that they are preempting, suggesting it would be racist for him to challenge Harris's claim. Yet, if Democrats want to consolidate power, which they obviously do, then a President Newsom would be the ticket. Harris has critical deficiencies in charm and competence, precisely the areas where Newsom does a good job. Malicious as his administration may be, he is undeniably a political juggernaut to be reckoned with. He's going to be around on the national level somewhere for sure. Whereas Harris is known for her off-putting AI-generated cackle, Newsom is a natural society type who cut his teeth among San Francisco's elite. According to a puff piece from the L.A. Times, Newsom's political ascent was funded by just eight California families, many of whom knew him since he was a kid. While not from a wealthy family himself, he grew up adjacent to some of the powerful names in America, Getty, Pritzker, Fisher, He was the boy about town. Everybody wanted to date him. That's Susie Tompkins Buell, co-founder of North Face. He was the smartest, the best looking. He went through a cocky stage and then an arrogant stage. Now he's in a total serving stage. He paid his dues. She continued an explanation of her continued support. Todd Trena, heir to a shipping fortune, grew up with Newsom. He said this, he is very similar in the way he is now, spunky, bright, charming. He lit up the room. The sway he held over his betters as a young man likely helped convince him of his own moral authority as a politician, as he described himself in the interview with the New York Times. In the interview, Newsom explained how it was this authority that led him to use the full power of California's economy to exercise ourselves more muscularly, that's his term, against political enemies in other states. Harris, meanwhile, has conspicuously failed to make any headway on the root causes of the border crisis. 
and is plagued by her record among the far left as California's top cop. Newsom, on the other hand, he has long-wielded state power, rather successfully too, on behalf of any and all progressive causes that he picks up. So as he explained to the Times, he continued the long tradition of the California effect using the state's market share to force national environmental and consumer protection measures in a bunch of novel ways. He called for legislation to allow bounties, that's lawsuits by private citizens, against anybody who distributes illegal guns in the state. He also threatened to pull contracts from Walgreens after it agreed not to sell abortion pills in several Republican states. He pledged to do more to attack companies that placate the right. In other words, he's a hard lefty. As president, a President Newsom would have an even greater market power at his disposal, like, you know, the entire national economy. He would likely escalate the merger of corporatism and social justice that's already crushing average American consumers, pushing private industries to do more in the culture war, and punishing them when they back down. The very small inroads conservatives have made against companies like Disney, Bud Light, Target, would be rolled back by a Newsom administration that would be willing to lend their corporate boards the full weight of the federal government. Think about that. With a sweep of his hair, a flash of his bright white smile, Millions of Americans wouldn't even notice. So, has it come down to Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden? Is Kamala Harris out of the picture? There's somebody else that is in the picture and has been, and I predicted a long time ago she would probably be the one that would end up being the nominee, Michelle Obama. I'm not even going to go launch into that. But don't count that name out. Now, if Gavin Newsom is successful at turning the eyes and the ears of those in the donor class and the far left, I think that could make a Michelle Obama run impossible to put together. But you know what? If you think about all of the options on the other side, (laughs) there's not one of them. There is... Not one of them that is good for the American people. Oh, they think they are. But you think Joe Biden messed things up? Oh, my God. Just remember, it can be worse. I'm going to switch gears for a second. You know, we just came through this hurricane, the one that blew into the uh, Redneck Riviera part of Florida, upstate New York. Went across, there was water everywhere. It was a bad scene. It could have been a whole lot worse. But this is the time of year for these big hurricanes. Do you know there's another one out there? And it's not what they call major yet, but it has the making of becoming a real Category 5 hurricane. Now, what does it take to be classified as Category 5? Your sustained winds have to be 157 miles per hour. That's pretty darn heavy wind, isn't it? 157 miles an hour. It's Hurricane Lee. Here's what uh, 
weather report is on Lee. I don't normally do this, but this one, we've got a little time. We have no idea where it will head. Will it come into the Gulf of Mexico? Will it turn up and go up the East Coast? That's yet to be determined, but it is almost absolute. This sucker is going to be a monster. Yeah, Hurricane Lee means business. Uh, It's a Category 1 hurricane right now. It is going to go through rapid intensification, something that we've seen with so many systems this season because of the heat locked up in the water. Uh, The good news is we have a lot of, you know, confidence in the forecast for the next couple days. So this is going to pass north of the Caribbean islands. Great news for them because by that point, we're talking about a Category 5 hurricane. The winds are going up to 157 miles per hour. Uh, So, you know, we're going to have a a quick, you know, pass here, but the strongest and nastiest part of the storm is not going to be impacting the islands. Now, with that said, they could feel tropical storm conditions. Look at the, the sheer scope of this storm. I mean, it's a wide, expansive system. What we're looking at on our satellite imagery here, this is visible satellite, so we need the sun to run the product, but it really shows you the strongest thunderstorms. You're looking for something that looks like a boiling cauldron. Well, we're noticing those bubbling cloud tops really close to the center of circulation, and that's what's going to allow that eye to really form and clear out. So over the next 24 hours, we're going to see this process take shape where we see the eye wall form, the eye clear out, and then we are stuck with a very potent and mature hurricane. That's the direction that we're going with this forecast. Uh, You know, Jason, for the Caribbean islands, definitely need to be watching that because this weekend we could be having indirect impacts. Uh, Those outer rain bands could impact them as well. But folks on the East Coast, I mean, there's so much chatter on social media. Is this going to hit the East Coast? Is it not? You know, it's too far out to really talk about what is going to happen, but most of the computer models do not have this as a direct impact. I mean, we have a trough and a coal front moving off the East Coast. That's a huge buffer there, but you don't have to have a landfall to have an impact. Yeah, I mean, we are still at least seven days off from this thing even being somewhat close here to the United States here, but it is still going to have a major impact for those of you that maybe are going to be cruising or heading down to the Caribbean. The reason why I say major impact, because if you're going to be flying here, it is going to be bumpy as you move into some of these islands here. Now, if you are actually going to be on the Lesser Antilles or Puerto Rico here, I think for the majority of you, you may notice that the winds are going to be increasing anywhere from 10 to 20 miles per hour. May notice some rough surf as well as some beach erosion here. But uh, for the most part here, this is following the same path that Franklin did here. And Britta, you talked about what is going to be happening here next week here. Models do not have a consensus for this. And there's been a lot of what I call called brouhaha-ness going on in social media. Do not pay attention to it because nobody knows what's going to happen here seven days from now. Yeah, you know, if anybody's telling you that this is for sure going here in regards to the East Coast, uh, I wouldn't latch on to that, that's for sure. What's going to help us get a little more focus to this is getting some raw data. You know, right now we're doing a lot of interpolation. We're going off of satellite imagery. We need to get the raw data from the storm and from the atmosphere surrounding it, and that's going to happen today. We have hurricane hunters that are flying the system, so that's a game changer. It is going to help us really hone in on what this means for the East Coast, Uh, but no matter what, we're going to have a massive major hurricane that's in the Atlantic Ocean within a couple hundred miles of the East Coast. So beach erosion, large surf, rip currents, those are pretty much a guarantee. You just need to keep your eye, I don't care where you live, as you saw with this last one, if you don't live on the coast, you're still a candidate for possible flooding, bad stuff, heavy winds, trees falling on cars and houses. 
it's just not a good situation. But just keep your eyes on that. And of course, anything serious comes up, we'll let you know in upcoming shows. We're going to go to a break bite right now, but uh, on the other side of this, Anthony Blinken's in the news. Oh, I know everybody knows who Anthony Blinken is. He is Mr. Secretary of State, groomed personally by his former boss, Hillary Clinton. Wow. Well, he's got some Ukraine news for you. And I know you're going to be breathless to know exactly what he's got planned and how much it's going to cost us. Blinken's up next. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything From HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. You know, every once in a while when you deal with electronics, you have glitches that happen. You just participated in the glitch during today's TNN Live show. Sorry about that. Well, I mentioned Antony Blinken, Secretary of State. Put in context what you're about to hear, where he's been, and who he's hung around with. He was part of the Obama administration. He was involved in the Clinton years when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. He was also one of those involved when Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, they came up with a way to support those Syrian rebels that had revolted against the Syrian government because the dictator of Syria was actually gassing and killing his own people. And so we felt like we needed to intervene as a nation wanted to help those poor people, those Syrian people, for the government was slaughtering them left and right. So what did they do? They armed 
a bunch of Syrian rebels to fight against Basra Assad. And they did that. And we gave them more weapons. And we gave them more money. And they kept going. And we kept giving them weapons and money. Antony Blinken was right in the middle of that. Well, as it turns out, a little later we find out who we were giving money to and weapons to was the formation of ICE. Not ICE. Those um, insurgents in Syria. ISIS. Yeah, they sound a lot alike, but ISIS, we started that. We gave them the guns. We gave them the funding. And they ended up terrorizing that part of the world, the Middle East, and it cost thousands of lives of people that didn't deserve that treatment. So Antony Blinken is the quote-unquote expert at all of this stuff. And he yesterday pledged, Another $1 billion for Ukraine while he was in Kiev this week, saying the U.S. is determined to continue to walk side by side with the country in its ongoing war with Russia. We are determined in the United States to continue to walk side by side with you. He was speaking to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. President Biden asked me to come, Blinken told Zelensky to reaffirm strongly our support, to ensure that we are maximizing the efforts that we're making and other countries are making for the immediate challenge of the counteroffensive as well as the long-term efforts to help Ukraine build the force for the future that can deter and defend against any future aggression, but also to work with you, support you as you engage in the critical work of strengthening your democracy, rebuilding your economy. What I just told you is a direct quote, and that was all one sentence. (laughs) I guess he was in a hurry to get through. The money included $175 million in military assistance, another $100 million for longer-term military needs, $206 million for humanitarian aid, and $300 million to support law enforcement efforts to restore and maintain law and order in liberated areas. Now that all just sounds hunky-dory, doesn't it? Blinken noted that the U.S. pledged half a billion a few months ago to help Ukraine rebuild its energy infrastructure. Although it wasn't clear if that money was included in the one billion that Blinken announced Monday of this week. Meanwhile, the U.S. continues to experience heightened crime in major cities compared to 2019. According to the Council on Criminal Justice, homicide rates are 24% higher in the first half of this year than in the first half of last year. The U.S. is committed to empowering Ukraine to write its own future. They're not writing their own future. They don't care to write their own future. All that they do is tell us over and over and over again You guys need to give us more. We need more military equipment. We need more money. We need you to be here fighting side by side with us. If that ever happens, let me just say this. If we ever go physically 
to be part of that. And make no mistake, there are a large number of American military members that are on the ground over there already. They're just being quiet about it. But if we go full bore, we will literally initiate World War III because China, North Korea, Russia, they will be all in. And it would be all of them against us because our allies aren't going to get involved, even though the NAFTA, not the NAFTA agreement, the uh, NATO agreement requires that if one of its members is in war, all of the members of NATO have to be in that war with our partner in NATO. It would literally be World War III. Let me just drop a little bit of information on you about this whole mess. All this money we are spending in Ukraine, it's just, it's incredible how much money we're spending there. And look what we're not spending on American issues. What about Maui, Hawaii? It's like the fire, it did what it did. It destroyed one part of Maui and a bunch of people died. And then we don't hear anything more about it. Biden bragged about giving a one-time $700 per Maui family, a stipend to them to help them get rolling. And then the next day when FEMA was there, supposed to be passing out this money because we got to get, you know, there we got to get on the ground there and help them. They don't have any place to go, to live, food to eat. They don't know what they're going to do. So we're going to help them. Give them $700. So when they went to the places where you had to go, the FEMA outlets over there, when you walked up and said, I'm here to get my $700, their question was, we need to see your identification. We need to see proof that you live in Maui where you say you live. The problem for those people was that most of their proof was burned to a crisp with everything else they know. In some cases, everybody else that they know. In the dollars and cents comparing Ukraine with Maui, in one day in Ukraine, one day in Ukraine, U.S. dollars and cents, just one day's worth, is more than the total amount President Biden has committed to Maui from start to finish to fix these problems that those Americans are having out there. One day of Ukraine spending is more than our federal government has committed to Maui. Does that make you think or suspect anything? I'm telling you, it does me. I have no idea what's going on there. But it's more than we're being told. There's some very surreptitious stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And it's going to come out eventually. Of course, will any of it, when it comes out, will those that are initiating it or part of it, will they be held liable? Not on Joe's watch. Oh, no. Every dime he spends anywhere is justified. 
And if you don't believe that, you just need to sit down and shut up because there's nothing you can do about it. He controls, he or whoever is really running our government, controls all of that kind of stuff. Let's move on. Last night on the Hannity Show, Jonathan Turley, one of my favorite constitutional attorneys, he weighed in in the conversation with Hannity about the continual nonstop lies that are being told by Joe Biden, his family members, and everybody that's in the tank with him. And that means his entire administration and Turley weighed in. Now for more legal analysis, we bring in Fox News contributor Jonathan Turley. Jonathan, you're, you have done an amazing job in your, in your columns laying all of this out, and there's a lot of factors in play here. The gun charge to me, it, while important, especially considering Joe Biden's position on guns, he lied on a gun application, that to me is just a way to try and appease the public because they've been exposed as trying to give a sweetheart deal to Hunter. But when you have Joe Biden promising as a candidate and a president over and over again that he never had conversations with his brother, with Hunter or anybody about foreign business deals, and then Devin Archer testifies that, in fact, he was privy to at least 20 calls where Joe called in. Then we know about the Dubai call with Burisma executives just, what, four or five days before Joe went to Ukraine and leveraged a billion dollars. Then you look at the sheer amount of money that the Biden family is getting, funneled through shell corporations, nine Biden family members identified as being recipients. Um, no experience at all that would warrant this type of payment, except their connection to Joe. And then the very specific action of firing the prosecutor. To me, I feel we're looking at a real bribery, money laundering, scandal. These are allegations. And it seems that David Weiss has no intention of looking into it. Well, it doesn't take much of an effort to reach the obvious conclusion. You know, they're lying. I mean, the president lied when he ran for office. He said he didn't know about these business dealings. Uh, even uh, Hunter Biden's close associate said that's patently false. Other witnesses have said they spoke to uh, President Biden about the business dealings. Uh, these issues were raised not only with the SEC, but the State Department raised Hunter Biden's dealings. So it undermined the efforts <clears throat> to deal with uh, corruption in the Ukraine. So it's not particularly complex. And that's part of what's so shocking here, is the effort uh, by people in government and by the media to not see what's happening. It's like, you know, you used to have a uh, Houdini would make an entire elephant disappear from a stage. Well, the elephant never left the stage, but Houdini knew that the audience really wanted it to disappear. And that's what has happened in Washington. They want the elephant to disappear. And it did. And the Bidens really take credit for the magic trick of the century. It, they made an obvious scandal disappear in front of an audience of millions. Well, where does this go from here? Because anybody with eyes to see can see exactly what happened here. And we're talking about tens of millions of dollars, Jonathan. We're talking about direct actions taken as vice president and the consequence, the result of which is the enrichment of the vice president's family. And it wasn't just one country. 
It was some of our top geopolitical foes, Jonathan. That, to me, is a clear present danger and a national security risk to the country. Well, what's, what's notable, Sean, is that the best argument now for an impeachment inquiry is being made by Attorney General Garland. You know, the, we now know that when many of us were objecting that the statute of limitations was running on some of these crimes, those same objections were being raised to Weiss and the Department of Justice inside the government. And they apparently wanted the statute of limitations to run on the most serious of those tax crimes. And now you have a stonewalling of Congress on many of these allegations of corruption. That leaves Congress with very little choice. You know, they can continue to engage in this game of chicken with the administration to see who's going to jump out first. Or they can change the game. They can start an impeachment inquiry. Because whatever Hunter Biden did or did not do, it's unlikely he's going to be punished to the full extent of the law. But in the end, that's not the main problem. The main problem is what was done to protect him from the law and what is still being done to do so. But Jonathan, that raises it, serious questions with regard to his father. Is it? Well, that was my next question. Is it really about Hunter yes. at that point or is it about his father that was active and involved in making all this happen and the family benefiting because of it? It's, it's about his father, Sean. I mean, the fact is, you now have the White House actively involved, including creating a war room in anticipation of an impeachment inquiry. And they're actively involved in, in pushing this narrative. He has bootstrapped these earlier actions into his administration. Well, all right, we're going to continue to follow this. Every, every detail, it's important. The country's going to wake up to this. Jonathan Turley, thank you. Hey, Sean Hannity here. You know, it just... Frost me. It does because all of this stuff we hear, constitutional experts after constitutional expert, they tell us, oh, this is what's going on. This is what should happen. But when the people that are in the crosshairs to be held accountable for some of this wrongdoing, when they're the ones that make all the rules, they control government basically, what do we expect is going to happen? They're going to force everything they possibly can force for them to keep the upper hand and an advantage and to control all of the decisions that go into that. Losing those potential charges because they let it run out, they let the statute of limitations run out, they did that purposely. David Weiss, who's now the special counsel assigned to investigate Hunter Biden, he was already in his other capacity as Delaware federal attorney for five years had been investigating Hunter Biden. He's the one that let that statute of limitations run out on the massive internal revenue tax fraud for Hunter Biden. So why would we expect different results than what we are already given? And this latest thing that blew up yesterday and everybody's all over it, David Weiss, let it be known, he plans to indict Hunter Biden in the next 30 days. What do you think that was about? What do you think that whole thing is about? I, I said this at the top of the show. I'll say it again. It's to make everybody think, finally, finally, the Biden administration, the Department of Justice is going to do something right 
and hold some wrongdoers, criminal wrongdoers. Hold them accountable. Way to go, guys. Nothing's going to happen over that. If Hunter does get indicted, the indictment will be either so benign or it will be so short-circuited that there's going to be no jail time for Hunter Biden. Remember, Joe Biden is the president of the United States unless he leaves for whatever reason or reasons before his term is up, which is January of 2025. Anything that happens to Hunter Biden, Joe can give him a full pardon, no questions asked, and he will give Hunter such a pardon. So why all the noise? Deflect, defer, avoid the truth as long as you can. Stay away from it, deflect, keep people's attention in other places. While the same old stuff continues to happen over and over and over again. And guess who's getting richer? The very people that are in the crosshairs of the members of the House of Representative Controlling Party, the Republican Party. They have the Bidens in their crosshairs. But as of right now, they don't have any bullets in their gun because they've not been able to tie Joe Biden to all of that illegal criminal money that came through, was laundered through Hunter Biden. Everybody that is credible understands and knows Joe Biden got a chunk of that money. You don't have those three mansions that he owns. Making the money to pay for those as a U.S. senator and eight years as U.S. vice president. Those are multi-million dollar homes. Where did that money come from? Nobody's asked Joe that. Having this threat of impeachment inquiry, it's just nothing but an empty threat. I don't care what Congressman Johnson is going to say when he joins us next week. We'll talk about this. There's no meat on the bone. You can't do anything with that. What must push through and be totally abided by is the facts, the evidence that proves the President of the United States is complicit in all of that. It's not enough for it just to be Hunter Biden. Hunter's just an everyday citizen. Yeah, I know he's a president's son. And according to Joe, Hunter's the smartest man he's ever known. Doesn't take much to be smarter than Joe, but nevertheless, all of that being said, Joe's going to take care of Hunter. Hunter's going to take care of Joe. And the Democrats are going to take care of all of those people as long as they possibly can. Unless somebody gets a smoking gun and it's real and it's verifiable The Bidens are going to get off scot-free. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement 
slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? The statements that I made about what will happen, what probably won't happen to the Biden family. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Republicans that are in competitive districts, they are poised to come face to face with two very serious political and very perilous matters. They're coming face to face with it probably before the end of this month whether to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and the possibility of a government shutdown. Now, you got to put all of what you see in here, you've got to put it in the context of who's involved, and it's the United States Congress. And there are things that go on and must go on in Congress that it doesn't matter whatever else is happening, they still got to keep trucking. Think about it. McCarthy has suggested the House could hold a vote to launch that impeachment inquiry sometime before the end of this month, despite hesitation from some of the moderate Republicans in the House. Now listen closely. At the same time, conservatives are continuing their push for steeper spending cuts and policy provisions attached to government funding, with some going as far as to embrace the possibility of a governor government shutdown. Both of these, and here's where the rubber meets the road, both issues, a government shutdown possibly, and of course the impeachment inquiry, both of those together could put 18 Republicans in the House who are defending their seats in districts that Biden won. It's putting them in a really tight spot forcing them to choose between risking blowback from their party on Capitol Hill or back home from their voters. I think there's a lot of peril this fall facing Republicans. That's Vin Weber. He's a Republican strategist, former member of the House GOP leadership. The Republican conference has a lot of risky things facing them in the next month or two, he said. All signs suggest the House is going to hold a vote to open an impeachment inquiry. 
Conservatives are pushing for the referendum, McCarthy appearing ready to take the plunge. But some of those moderates, including at at least two of the Biden district Republicans, they're not ready to go there, creating a math problem for McCarthy as he steers a very slim GOP majority, five seats. The Speaker can only afford to lose a handful of GOP votes on any resolution to open an inquiry, assuming all Democrats are going to oppose it. And you know they will. Colliding with that push is the race to fund the government by September 30th to avoid a shutdown. Today's the 7th. We're talking about just a couple of weeks. They haven't even started negotiation on the budget stuff. A handful of members from the House Freedom Caucus have said they would be content with the shutdown. They're okay with it. If it means stopping the country from continuing on this spending trajectory. Joe Biden's got us on messaging that they could that could be harmful for the vulnerable House Republicans. One GOP lawmaker, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, she says she will not fund the government unless a Biden impeachment inquiry is open. Those dynamics signal some real trouble ahead for House Republicans, especially in those Biden one districts who will likely have to face a tough vote on opening an impeachment inquiry and then grapple with Democrats branding the party as one that is not worried about a shutdown. And they're coming to a head, all of it, as the calendar approaches one year until the 2024 elections, when Republicans are hoping to expand their very narrow majority in the House of Representatives. Democrats... Well, they're looking to take back the upper hand in the chamber with an eye on the 18 Biden won districts. I wish I could say I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it will. Weber, who's a partner at the public strategy firm Mercury, said when he was asked if Biden district Republicans will be put in that tough spot on an impeachment inquiry. Those are not the issues that Republicans in marginal districts want to talk about back home. At least two of those Biden district Republicans are expressing hesitation when it comes to opening an impeachment inquiry into the president. They're arguing that they have not yet seen evidence to support going down that path. Rep. Mike Lawler, Republican of New York, whose district Biden won by 10 points, told Fox News on Monday We're not there yet when asked how he would vote on a resolution to open an impeachment inquiry. And then Rep. Don Bacon, a Republican from Nebraska, his constituents broke for Biden 52.2% to 45.8% in the last election. He said, I think we need to have a more concrete evidence group to go down that path. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, for his part, expressed confidence the votes are there to launch an impeachment inquiry. I do, Comer told Fox News when asked if he thought a resolution to open an inquiry has the votes to pass. I do think that. And I think that I've been in conversation with a lot of the moderate members who obviously, for various reasons, have been concerned about this, but the evidence is overwhelming. 
It's not overwhelming. The problem is there is no Joe Biden smoking gun yet. A new survey says public opinion in Biden one districts may be trending in Lawler and Bacon's favor. In a poll commissioned by the Democrat-aligned Congressional Integrity Project released yesterday, 56% of voters in the 18 Biden 1 districts said an impeachment inquiry would be more of a partisan political stunt, while 41% said it would be a serious effort to probe important problems. 55% of the respondents said an inquiry would be more about helping Trump rather than uncovering the truth. The poll included 633 voters from the 18 districts. What they do in terms of this impeachment vote will be very telling as to what they actually believe. This is that far-left watchdog from New York, the Democrat Dan Goldman. You heard him on this show yesterday. He is the go-to guy. He's loud. And he's angry at anything and everybody that are conservative. And he's a member of the House Oversight Committee. He participated in a press briefing to roll out the Congressional Integrity Project poll. There's a lot of lip service, he said, but there's very little action so far on their end to demonstrate that they are focused on representing their districts rather than just getting along with Speaker McCarthy and the fringe MAGA wing of the party that has completely co-opted the House Republican leadership, Goldman added. McCarthy, I like a lot of what Kevin McCarthy says and does, but some of it, it just smells to me. He's been careful to note that Republicans would be opening an inquiry to expand their investigative purview and not jumping to a vote on ousting the president. But Weber, the GOP strategist and former House member, he said just the talk of impeachment could hurt Republicans. I think any vote to open up impeachment is going to be looked at negatively by everyone other than the most solid Republican voters. So you know I wouldn't want to be the one that cast that vote. On government funding, it's the other 900-pound gorilla in the room. Vulnerable House Republicans, they're at risk of getting roped in with the few conservatives content with a shutdown. Democrats are already pinning a potential shutdown on the House GOP. They always do. They always will. And they've always been successful when they go that route. When the Senate returns next week, our focus will be on funding the government and preventing House Republican extremists from forcing a government shutdown. That's Chuck Schumer, everybody's favorite U.S. senator from New York. (laughs) According to another poll, Peter G. Peterson Foundation poll, 90% of voters, and that includes 91% of Democrats, 89% of Republicans, agree, 90% agree that lawmakers should work together to avoid a shutdown and focus their efforts on finding solutions for the national debt. Well, let me just cut to the chase. You're not going to do anything to help out on the national debt 
if anything close to what the Democrats want to put in their budget is put in their budget. You think $32 trillion is a lot of money for us to owe? That's nothing compared to what they want to add to that number. Of course everybody likes the government spending all kind of money. Yeah, I'm going to get this project funded. I'll go back to my district and tell them, you know that bridge to nowhere? Guess what? It wasn't just Alaska that got one. We're about to get one, and it'll only cost $50 million. But I'm up there in Washington working for all you folks back here. That may sound funny, but it's not. And it is actually the way that our government runs. And that's sad. We don't talk too much about those uh, lawmakers that are in the squad. But one of them, Cori Bush, she got really ugly the last couple of days. And she got on the microphone and she torched some folks. Let me tell you what's going on there. I'm not a Cori Bush fan. She's from Missouri. She's a Democrat representative. She's threatening an attorney who's a conservative who filed complaints about her congressional campaign's payments to her husband. David Matrani, counsel for Cori Bush for Congress, wrote a letter Friday to a lawyer named Dan Backer demanding that he retracts his complaints over those payments by Bush to her husband that he filed on behalf of the Committee to Defeat the President, a conservative activist group opposed to Joe Biden. Now let me read you the letter. I'm not even going to read it to you. Here's part of it. We demand that you retract the complaints you've filed that are demonstrably false. Failure to do so or continued repetition of these false statements with knowledge that they are false and without merit may result in liability for your client. That's from the letter Matrani sent. In addition, we believe that the continued assertion by you of these claims with absolutely no basis whatsoever in law or in fact that is not frivolous could well constitute a violation of Rule 3.1 of the Rules of Professional Conduct of the District of Columbia Bar. Bush's, Cory Bush's Federal Election Commission filings from the 2022 campaign cycle show that Courtney Merritts, who's her husband, was paid more than $60,000 for security services, despite him lacking a security license in St. Louis, where a congressional district is located, or in Washington, D.C., where she lives most of the time. Bush for Congress paid merits for, quote, security services on five occasions from January to March of 2023. Her campaign also paid her husband $2,500 once for security services, $2,500 six times for wage expenses from April to June of this year, her latest FEC filings show CDP filed an FEC complaint in March urging the commission to look into Bush's payments demerits and a supplementary FEC complaint in July 
arguing that by describing the more recent payments as wage expenses, Bush had walked into a legal trap of her own making. She's either falsifying FEC reports that her husband illegally provided security services that he's not licensed to provide, or he did illegally provide them, and she violated the law prohibiting paying for illegal things. That's in the complaint. It's amazing these people get elected by members of their party in their respective district, and they just think they're bulletproof. They can do anything they want. They don't have to mind by the rules, the rule of law. What the heck? I'm a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. I can do whatever I want, and you can gripe about it, but there's nothing that you can do about it because I'm Cory Bush. And it's interesting, every member of the squad, every one of them, they stick their noses in the air, and they even make it common knowledge, all this stuff they're doing, that is at least unethical, at worst, illegal. But they feel like, because of their titles, they're above the law. And they certainly don't have to abide by the same rules as you and I do. Hadn't talked much lately about the U.S. Supreme Court. They're scheduling right now, and they've included several very controversial cases including a domestic abuser gun ban and whether a critic can trademark an insult targeting former President Trump. And they're scheduling these for oral argument after their new term begins October 2nd. Seven cases in all were scheduled for hearing dates running from October 30th through November 8th. Other cases involve whether Americans can sue and government officials block them on social media and a challenge to civil asset forfeiture, a policy under which authorities can seize property, private property, even if its owner's not convicted of a crime. For the court, the Supreme Court, to hear a case, at least four of the nine justices must vote to grant that petition. The court is going to hear, and this one's kind of unusual. I thought I'd give you the details. They're going to hear Vidal v. Elster, on November 1st. What's that one about? It concerns whether progressive activist and lawyer Steve Elster can trademark a belittling phrase aimed at President Trump for use on T-shirts. The ruling puts the administration of President Biden, a Democrat, in the very unusual position of defending the interest of President Trump, a Republican, Both are seeking the presidential nomination of their respective parties for 2024. The expression that we're talking about, Trump too small, Trump, T-O-O, small, was inspired by a crude joke that Marco Rubio made during the 2016 Republican primary season. Mr. Rubio, then a presidential candidate, mocked then-fellow-candidate Trump by saying he had small hands. Have you seen his hands? And you know what they say about men with small hands, Rubio said at the time. The small hands quip was quickly seized upon by Trump critics, and it became a viral meme online. 
Trademark officials rejected Elster's registration under Lanham Act, finding that the use of the name Trump in the proposed mark would be construed by the public as a reference to Donald Trump. The official found that under the intellectual property statute, his office couldn't register trademarks that include the name of a living person without that person's written consent. Elster, on the other, claims his free speech rights were violated, and appeals court agreed with him, and the government appealed. So what else is out there the court, Supreme Court's going to go after? On November 7th, they're going to hear the U.S. versus Rahimi, which concerns a federal law that bars people under domestic violence-related restraining orders from possessing any type of firearm. And the Biden administration supports the ban. Zachary Rahimi, who previously entered a guilty plea to violating that statute, was involved in five shooting incidents after a restraining order was entered against him in February of 2020. Then, the Supreme Court handed down its landmark Bruin decision in June of that year, June 2022, which declared a constitutional right to bear arms in public places for self-defense. Mr. Rahimi asked the courts to review his conviction given the change in Second Amendment jurisprudence. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit down in New Orleans found that the law had ceased to be constitutional in light of the Bruin ruling. The ban on the possession of firearms by someone under a domestic restraining order is an outlier that our ancestors would never have accepted. That comes from the Fifth Circuit Court. And then there's another case, social media blocking. On October 31st, the Supreme Court will hear O'Connor Ratcliffe v. Garnier and a related case linked v. Freed. The issue is whether Americans can sue government officials who block them on social media. That obviously is a controversy that arose during Trump's time in office. The cases are likely to have an impact on all levels of government as citizens increasingly turn to social media to interact with their public officials. Supreme Court is expected to decide whether a public official is engaging in state action that's subject to the First Amendment to the Constitution when he or she blocks an individual from accessing his social media account. Katie Fallow, who's an attorney at the Knights First Amendment Institute at Columbia University, they participated in a lawsuit against Trump, previously told NBC News that government officials are required to accept feedback from the public. As many courts have held, it doesn't matter whether it's the president or a local city manager. Government officials can't block people from these forums simply because they don't like what they're saying. And then another case. On November 8th, Supreme Court will hear Rudisil v. McDonough, a case that could make 1.7 million post-9-11 vets eligible for additional education benefits that could be worth billions of dollars. The case is about whether a veteran who qualifies for education benefits under multiple GI Bill programs is required to use up or abandon the benefits of one program 
in order to take advantage of benefits under another. And the petitioner is FBI Special Agent James Rudasil, who was a decorated U.S. Army veteran. I think it's, it's like I enjoy knowing some of the biggest cases that are coming down at the Supreme Court. Very seldom do we hear about those cases in advance so we can kind of, you know, lock in and know what's coming down the pike. When's the last time you filled up your car? If it's been in the last week, and I don't see how you're not having to fill up your car over a week time period. I don't know, obviously... If you're not doing that, you're in a good situation not having to drive very much. But for me, it's one and a half tanks of gas every week. And gas and gas prices continue to go up. The Biden administration announced yesterday it's going to cancel seven oil and gas leases in Alaska that were issued during the Trump administration. The leases canceled by the Department of the Interior. They covered 365,000 acres in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge and National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. The NPR-A, that's a 23 million acre area on the state's north slope. It's the largest undisturbed public land anywhere in the U.S. The department's going to ban new leases on more than 40%. Of the reserve. The leases were suspended in June of 2021 following Secretary Dab Hallen's order 3401 due to multiple legal deficiencies in the underlying records supporting the leases. The department also proposed new regulations for the MPRA that would ensure maximum protection for the special areas in that reserve while supporting subsistence activities for Alaska Native communities. These actions, which the Biden administration said are aimed at safeguarding Alaska's pristine Arctic region, are part of Joe Biden's broader conservation and climate agenda. Yeah, that's what we're told. It's to pay off those far-left, big-name contributors to all things that do anything at all with or for Joe Biden. It's sad. It's just sad. Most Americans agree with me on this. When our government gets involved, and they get involved not about the righteousness or the necessity of anything or give any rip whatsoever of how it impacts everyday citizens, it only matters to the source of where Their money comes from the donor class. Those are the people that pretty much determine stuff like this. Here we are, our strategic oil reserves, they've been used up very quietly. Joe Biden has been selling off our oil, selling oil to people that we really don't want, most of us don't want our government selling oil to. Those strategic oil preserves are supposed to be used for strategic issues when things like big fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, any kind of big massive national thing happens. We have a large preserve 
of oil to use that belongs to we the people. And he just sold it off. They have to be replenished. Don't you think Joe Biden and the folks that he deals with in the oil and natural gas business, they are licking their chops because right now gasoline is $3 and something pretty much everywhere in the nation, $4 a gallon some places, and they're rubbing their hands together saying, come on, Uncle Joe, come spend some money with us. When Donald Trump is a businessman, you know what he did? When the price of oil went so low, he looked at our strategic oil preserves that had been depleted under the eight years of Barack Obama and Joe Biden in the White House, and he got Congress to authorize refilling, replacing our naked, our gone oil reserves with cheap oil that was cheap oil because of Trump's policies. And so they they refilled them at $2 equality of $2 a gallon. That saved a whole lot of money, don't you think? Meanwhile, Joe Biden doesn't give a rip about what any decision he makes has to do for you and me. Why is that, you think? Well, I don't tell you. It's because we're not in the donor class. We don't write campaign checks that are big enough to get his notice. We're just average Americans, and he doesn't. He says he does, but he doesn't care about you or me. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Mr. Rippermorph? Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paperclips for $2,000. They were multicolored paperclips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir! They're the Wastebusters! News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavour is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. 
Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Well, everybody knows we are back in business. I'm talking about COVID-19 business. Probably heard there are some sporadic cases out there with a new COVID variant that uh, the Biden administration, medical experts that work for him, they have weaponized it one more time and trying to scare Americans and telling us all, you need to get a booster. If you got any one of the COVID-19 shots, you need to get a booster, at least one of them, every year, which flies totally against anything and everything they told us. Those experts, you know, the ones that are the scientists. Anthony Fauci said he was the science of all things to do with COVID-19. It's all a pack of lies, gross misrepresentations. We're at a point now, we don't know what the truth is about COVID-19 treating it. What are the odds? What do we do? What do we not do? And now Jill Biden, who was vaxxed, had two boosters. She's got COVID. And so what does that do? That puts Joe Biden back social distancing, which he doesn't need any assistance from COVID-19 to have permission to do that, to socially distance. You saw yesterday, you probably saw the clip where it was in the middle of an award record thing, a big deal. And the room in the White House that it happened in was full of people. And he was standing up in front of them and they were about to do a presentation and he just walked out of the room. He had no clue what was going on or what he was supposed to do, and he just walked out of the room. Nobody in the room knew what to do. And so the White House came out this morning since we've been on the air, and they clarified it. They told us that the reason he walked out of the room was to prevent spreading COVID to anybody that interacted with him because he had been with a COVID-positive person. That would be his wife, Dr. Jill. So they're looking for and already testing the water one more time to see how much of our freedoms we are willing to give up. And they're going to try it again before the election. Megyn Kelly weighed in on her issues with the COVID vaccine. I regret getting the vaccine, even though I'm a 52-year-old woman, because I don't think I needed it. I think I would have been fine. I'd got COVID many times and I it was well past when the vac- vaccine was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, and then for the first time, I tested positive for an autoimmune issue. 
at my annual physical. Mm. And I asked, I went to the best rheumatologist in New York and I asked her, do you think this could have to do with the fact that I got the damn booster and then got COVID within three weeks? And she said, yes, yes, I wasn't the only one she'd seen that with. Uh Uh-oh, that science thing, it jumped up and grabbed them. (laughs) Just because they think they know something's right, doesn't mean they're right. Got to remember that. Hey, thanks for being here. You have a great day, and we'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. My friends feel it's their appointed duty. They keep trying to tell me here.